This is a Federal News Network podcast. Almost from the day it was defunded in the 1990s, the Office of Technology Assessment has bothered Congress. Still, lawmakers never revived it, no matter which party was in charge. But on the hunch that it lacked sufficient science and technology advice, Congress turned to the National Academy of Public Administration to come up with options. Joining me with the results, NAPA President and CEO Terry Girton. Terry, good to have you back. Good morning, Tom. Nice to be here. So this was a subject that has come up over and over and over, uh, whether to have this Office of Technology Assessment. What did the Academy basically come up with? So the Academy considered three different options. One was to enhance the existing entities. One was to create a new agency or re- revise, uh, revive OTA. And the other was to enhance the existing organizations and create an advisory office. And so that's the option that we recommended. It had four parts specifically that we would enhance the Congressional Research Service that does quick turnaround and consultative services for members of Congress so that it could answer the the quick turn science questions. Then we recommended that the Government Accountability Office further develop the capability of its new science technology assessment and analytics team so that it could do some of the longer or short to midterm reports on technology assessments. And then we recommended that the Congress create an Office of the Congressional Science and Technology Advisor that would help uh, work with committees and staff to grow their capability to absorb and process S&T information, sort of act as an ombudsman for members of Congress to connect better to the uh, science and technology advice that's out there, and then to chair a coordination committee um, with CRS and GAO to make sure that they were integrating and optimizing the S&T consultative capabilities that are available. Because the GAO has been beefing up its own scientific and technology staff, and Gene Dodaro, the uh, head of GAO, has made that point publicly a couple of times, and he was also one of the ones interviewed by the panel NAPA convened. So it sounds like the panel acknowledged the fact that GAO has greatly beefed up its own OTA-like capabilities. Well, absolutely. And that STAA organization is fairly new in GAO, um, but they have been growing it. And we were really pleased to see in the legislative branch appropriations language that Congress, in fact, endorsed our recommendation that the STAA team continue to grow and the GAO dedicate a specific number of experts to work explicitly on the science and technology uh, requirements that GAO has. So, as we've been discussing our report and our findings with Congress, uh, we're really pleased to see that the, the endorsement of our findings made it into this round of legislative language. Sure. I was going to say, what is the reception you've had so far on the Hill in the few weeks that this recommendation has been out? Well, there are still folks who um, remember the OTA fondly, but I think we've been successful in saying, you know, just you can't resurrect the OTA that was sort of retired in 1995 and expect it in that form to still be relevant today. Um, And there are a lot of challenges with standing up a new, entirely new organization in the legislative branch. So we made another particular recommendation that I think is really important here, which said, you're going to be better off right now to enhance the capabilities that you have. But we recommend a full-up assessment of the expanded capabilities in two years to figure out if this approach really does meet congressional requirements or whether it's time to reconsider the Office of Technology Assessment again. You know, that's going to require a really serious commitment of time and funds, and it'll take a while to stand up. 
So in the meantime, expand the resources that you have. That'll give you better bang for your buck in the short run. But you really should come back and look at this in a couple of years and make sure that you're getting what you wanted. We're speaking with Terry Gurton. She's president and CEO of the National Academy of Public Administration. And maybe just review for us in general how the Academy goes about fulfilling these requests, which have been coming pretty fast and furiously, I think, over the past few years from Congress, from areas of the government that say, hey, we don't know what to do. You help us. Well, thanks, Tom. Uh, I'd love to always talk about how the Academy does its work. Just as a reminder for everybody, we are actually chartered by Congress, and we're a nonpartisan, nonprofit organization. So when Congress has a real challenge in terms of how it wants to look at an agency or even look at itself, when, when it asks us to do a study, we gather a, prof- a team of professional researchers that are on our permanent staff to do a lot of the work, but we also use our fellows. The fellows of the academy are folks who have had long careers in public service, and they come back and work with us on a, on a pro bono basis to help provide their expertise as well. So when we looked at, at this uh, assessment for the Office of Technology Assessment or Science and Technology Advice, we had a panel of folks who were very familiar with the operations of Congress, with the old OTA, with how um, budgets and processes work, and how science and technology advice is provided in other sectors, to make sure that we got the very best advice and strategic direction for our research team. Um, and those folks really provide the guidance. Um, the report is a report of that panel, um, and that gives us the um, the professional, the blue ribbon approach to the Academy studies that I think Congress finds so valuable. And recently you have inducted a whole new crop of, of uh, fellows into the National Academy. And how long does it take usually before they actually get involved in a project? Well, um, we have a number of folks of, from that new class who are on projects right now, so we're really excited. Um, it was our largest class. We brought in 52 new fellows of the Academy that got our number up to about 950. But it depends on where those individual fellows are in their own professional life um, and what is busy for them at the time. But we have a number of uh, fellows who've jumped right into other study panels, who've gotten engaged with our standing panels, which is our, our way of getting our fellows to do sort of their own thought leadership on behalf of the, cat, the academy. So it really just depends both on the projects that are in the queue and the schedule that each individual fellow faces. But um, we always get lots of volunteers when we have a study panel opportunity. And getting back to the report that was just submitted on the science and technology support for Congress, there's a good list here of a a summary of S&T support demand from Congress. They need quick turnaround projects. They need networking projects. They need consultations. They need long reports that are detailed that take up to a year to deliver. Pretty good list of possibilities. This new report must take into account also the change in the science and technology field itself since 1995, when the OTA was disbanded. Well, you raise a really good point. Um, When we started on this study, one of the first things that we felt it was essential to do is actually document the demand from Congress. Because with all of these other sorts of resources, um, members of Congress and their staff have access to science and technology information in a way that they didn't back in 1995. I think it was also really helpful because what people thought Congress wanted turned out not to be exactly what Congress told us they wanted. And so 
they want a lot more of that quick turnaround and sort of mid-range information and not so much of the long-term two- or three-year technology assessment because, in fact, technology changes so fast that those are almost out of date by the time you publish them. So that informed how we thought about um, which organizations might be best positioned to give real-time sort of quick-turn um, insight and advice to members of Congress. But it also shaped how we thought about the Office of the Science and Technology Advisor. And one of the things that we think that office could do um, with the right person in that position is to bring an entirely um, outside the legislative branch network of experts to members of Congress. So if a staff member called up and said they wanted to get some information on a particular aspect uh, or topic, rather than have to have that capacity in-house, the Office of the Technology, Science and Technology Advisor could reach out to the professional scientific network and bring in the best advice that's currently out there. So that actually enables, I think, this our recommended structure to give better real-time, cutting-edge access um, to members of Congress with experts in the science and technology space. I guess it's fair to say that in a good example of that would have been the, I just call it the Facebook fiasco, when the whole issue of privacy and the use of data blew up kind of in Congress's face suddenly, even though it had been building a long time, and some of the members at hearings were kind of caught short in their knowledge of all of this. So that might be an example of when, hey, we need a quick study on what the heck this is all about, social media, privacy, and data sales. Right. So the idea here would be that in GAO would be doing sort of those mid-range courses, and, and in fact, they are doing foresight and um, risk assessments now to say, hey, we think data privacy is going to be a really important topic as it comes up, that the science and technology advisor could be reaching out and building some somewhat longer-term assessments, and then serve as an ombudsman to connect members of Congress to that particular advice so that they've got the best resources at their fingertips to prepare either as um, situations arise or um, in anticipation, um, and we'd love to get them to the anticipatory state. But I think one of the critical aspects that we also raise here is that it's not just a supply problem. It's not just where can Congress go to get the best advice. We also address sort of the demand side or the absorptive side of Congress and recognize that since the demise of OTA in 1995, congressional staffs have shrunken um, dramatically. And, and so the members of Congress and their staffs have less capacity to absorb that. They don't all have science and tech experts on their staff. Many of the committees don't have folks who um, specialize in science and technology. So in addition to thinking about how best to get information to Congress, we've got to think about how Congress can position itself to better absorb that information. And so we have some recommendations in the report as well about how to target specific committees to add S&T um, support staff, how to think about how members might use the Office of the Science and Technology Advisor to help them recruit staff members so that we can get a better, a deeper bench um, on the congressional side for people who can understand and process the reports and then turn them into policy proposals for members of Congress. Terry Gurton is president and CEO of the National Academy of Public Administration. Thanks so much. Tom, always a pleasure to talk with you. Thank you. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.